hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. The Marriott Hotel Group is opening a few new hotels in Alberta. So in a few minutes, we'll find out where and when they're scheduled to open. We'll also chat with the folks from Naya Traveler. It's a company that offers a number of personalized tours around the world, including Colombia. So we'll get some tips on traveling to Colombia a little bit later on. But first, let's start our podcast this week talking about airport etiquette, more specifically the etiquette on boarding an aircraft. Now, I hope you're not one of those people who stand at the front of the gate waiting to board your plane out of turn. That's one example of bad etiquette. And there's a good write-up about it titled The Final Word on Boarding Etiquette. It's written by travel journalist and author Chris Elliott. You can read it at WashingtonPost.com. Just Google the title The Final Word on Boarding Etiquette and you'll find it. Uh, You can also get his newsletter at ElliottConfidential.com. And Chris joins us now to discuss it further. Hi, Chris. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, I got a kick out of your uh, blog here, The Final Word on Boarding Etiquette. You can find it on uh, various different uh, websites. I found that on the Washington Post website, but uh, it seems like I don't fly as much as I used to, but uh, there's a few things that stuck out for me. But let's just talk about uh, onboard etiquette or boarding etiquette uh, rules. Are there any specific set of rules? I don't think there is. If there isn't, there should be, and it should be posted by every gate so, so people know how to do these things. You know, I agree with you. I think that when you get an, an airline ticket, they should hand you or maybe email you a guide for boarding. I don't think they'd do that. But if they did, then we, I wouldn't have to write stories like this. The reason that this is such an issue is that many people have not flown in two years because of the pandemic, and they've forgotten the basics of boarding etiquette. Well, and it seems to me what I've observed that they uh, didn't know them in the first place long before the pandemic. But okay, who, all right. So who, who are the, the worst offenders in your mind, the people that don't fly enough? Or the people that fly too much and, you know, kind of have a sense of entitlement or something. Oh, yeah. I think they're both pretty bad. I mean, you have on the one hand the the folks who never fly and don't know the rules, never did in the first place. And those are the ones who are crowding the gate. They call them gate lice because they're just like crowding around as if the, the plane might leave without them if they don't wait right there in front of the gate. And then you have the other ones. Um, I like to call them the do you know who I am crowd. And they're standing there um, in front of the uh, boarding, uh, you know, the the check-in area, and they're demanding an upgrade. I don't know which one of those is more annoying, actually. I think that the entitled people who all think they deserve to be in business class, those those are pretty annoying, too. Well, you hit the nail in the head, the one that bothers me the most, and that's the ones that uh, hang around the uh, gate entrance. Uh, it seems like, yeah, like they don't realize you have a seat, it's there, the plane's not taking off without you, so get out of the way, because <laughs> like, they're in the way that people are trying to board. Well, and that that's actually why airlines came up with boarding groups, and they said, everyone sit down until we call your group, but it doesn't work, and you still have people who stand up and they just wait in a line, some imaginary line, like that's going to help. I mean, I, I saw it when I was flying a couple of weeks ago, and people are getting in a line, and then there are people just jumping ahead of them because they have uh, higher boarding numbers. 
There's also the overhead bin battle. Uh, This one bugs me too. Not as much because most of the time I travel pretty light. I try not to have too much stuff. But you get the people that are maxing out every bit of space they possibly can on the overhead bins. Right. Well, uh, the overhead bin, I could write an entire column just on the overhead bin. I could write a book on it. <laughs> uh, technically, the the space above you belongs to you, but a lot of people will just claim it as their own as they're boarding. So, you know, they'll just say, oh, look, there's, there's some empty space. And it's not above their seat. They'll just shove their bag in it, shove all their belongings into it. Then you get to the, the seat and there's no room and you go, okay, what do I do now? Then the flight attendant comes over and says, oh, we're just going to have to check that for you. And you go, no, this has got all my medication and it's got my passports. You can't do that. Uh, is there any way to fix this or do you have any tips or anything like that to, just to smooth the process out other than, you know, just telling people, hey, get away from the gate and, you know, be generous with the uh, space above you? Yeah, I mean, the most efficient way of boarding a plane is back to front. So the people on the far back of the plane should be getting on the plane first. Um, I don't understand why special people have to be boarding first. Like, you know, you've got a whole list of people, the super elites, people in business class. Why do they have to be on the plane first? I don't understand why. Uh, So I think that if the airlines just made it more efficient, if they want to make it more efficient, they just would board back to front. They can't because for some reason people want to get on the plane first. They want to be first. It's my kids used to do that. They wanted to be the first person in the house after we, we you know, got home. And it, it, it didn't make a difference. We're all going home. We're all going to the same place. I think if people really started to think about it, they would realize we're all going to the same place. You know, We want to get on the plane as efficiently as possible. If the airline tells you that it's back to front, maybe we should go back to front. And unfortunately, you know, uh, this gets into the issue of, of people and elites and people with special platinum cards and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and, and it's, it's complicated, but right now the airlines are not doing it the way they're supposed to. I think that's the fix. Uh, you can find out lots of information and sign up for Chris Elliott's newsletter uh, at com. An amazing um, uh, amount of uh, information that you come up with uh, with your newsletter. And Elliot.org is also your advocacy website. You do so much. He is Chris Elliott. Uh, journalist, author, founder of uh, Elliot Advocacy, and also the newsletter at elliotconfidential.com. It's always fun to chat, uh, Chris. Thanks so much. You bet. Well, the Marriott Hotel Group is opening a few new hotels in Alberta. So joining us now to tell us where and when they're scheduled to open is Don Cleary. He is the president of Marriott Hotels in Canada. Their website is marriott.com. Hi, Don. Good afternoon. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. It's uh, always exciting to me anyways uh, when uh, new hotels are opening up. And uh, so apparently uh, three new hotels coming to Alberta. Tell me about them. Sure. We're very excited to be bringing our autograph collection uh, brand to uh, Calgary this summer. Uh, It's going to open. It's scheduled to open in June. It's called the Dorian. Uh, It's beautiful. It's right downtown uh, and it's uh, mixed use that also will have a new courtyard by Marriott uh, right next door. Uh, The Dorian is going to have a great rooftop bar and uh, I think there'll be two exciting new additions 
to the Calgary market. We're very excited about those. And then we're going to open a Moxie later this year in Bands. And uh, that will be our first Moxie, although we have a number of other Moxies in the pipeline across the country that will be coming. And another one that will reopen uh, is the Delta by Marriott Hotel in the uh, Calgary Airport. Uh, in terminal Mm, Uh, that has been uh, closed for most of the pandemic as we renovate it. Uh, But that will be uh, top to bottom, new rooms, new lobby, new restaurant, everything. So we're excited about that one coming back online um, in the airport. Tell me a little bit more about the, the Moxie in Banff. Where is it going to be located and just how difficult is it to get a hotel built in Banff these days? Well, it's a conversion of a of an older hotel there. Okay. So uh, it's very difficult to get a new one built, <laughs> as you know. Uh, so uh, we're excited that this one's being converted, and it's right on the main drag in uh, downtown when you when you right when you pull in off of Highway One. So uh, uh, it's been uh, under renovation for a couple of years, and uh, they look like they'll get it open this fall. Moxie is really designed for sort of a a younger, uh, more uh, upscale vibe uh, for people. Uh, by that, I mean, uh, you know, enjoying uh, your check-in at a bar. <laughs> uh, the rooms are very efficient, uh, but it's really a place for gathering, and uh, they have exciting bars, um, and this one will be uh, very similar to that. I think it, it will appeal to the younger crowd, many of whom uh, uh, go there and maybe camp. And this will be uh, an affordable option for them uh, that has uh, sort of a fun vibe and a very active uh, public space. So we're excited uh, that that will uh, open and I think do well in BAMP. And uh, as I said, a number of them are opening across the country mm-hmm. over the next couple of years. I've stayed at a Moxie in, uh, in Phoenix, and you're right. They, they're very unique, and it is, uh, they're, they're a great spot to socialize, that is for sure. That's a very popular and fast-growing brand for us in the United States as well. So what has the recovery been like for the hotel industry? We don't have to go into the details of the last two years. I think everybody kind of realizes, uh, are you operating at 100%? Uh, I know that staffing has been an issue. Uh, it keeps coming up in the news. How's that affected your hotels? Well, staffing is a challenge. Um, and, uh, you know, occupancies have been low. Uh, so we've been able to manage through it. We're out there telling our story uh, we have a lo- Marriott has a long track record of employee retention and development, and we're very focused on hiring and communicating those benefits of working with us. So we're okay, but of course, occupancies peak in Canada during the summer, and all of us are trying to ramp up and find the uh, the employees we need for the summer. So we have a lot of work plans. We're re- reaching out everywhere to make sure we can uh, uh, get the staff that we need. Um, you know, as you mentioned, it's been a tough 24 months for our industry. Um, and uh, throughout most of the pandemic, there was very little business travel and almost no group business, oftentimes because of the restrictions imposed by various municipalities or provinces. Uh, it was difficult to have any of that type business. But the encouraging thing is what we've seen since the restrictions all came down roughly around March 1st of this year 
And when they uh, d- when the federal government did away with the testing uh, requirements to both into Canada and then to test upon arrival, mm. uh, we've seen uh, uh, a nice uptick in bookings uh, since those restrictions all came down. And we're very encouraged by that. Now, to be clear, we're nowhere near back to pre-pandemic levels, but we're trending in the right direction, including good leisure bookings for the summer. But uh, more significantly, what's great to see now is the business travelers getting back on the road and lots of group business picking up. Uh, So uh, uh, we're trending in the right direction. Well, speaking of that word trending, what are some of the trends in the hotel industry? Uh, One example that comes to mind, and it's to counter, you know, the Airbnbs that are out there. Uh, People are looking for more of a a homey atmosphere. That's just an example that comes to mind. Is is that some of the trends that hotels are trying to to, uh, move towards, or is that just me thinking that way? Well, I think what we're seeing, uh, well, of course, the extended stay brands that we have uh, did very well during COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was people could go stay for a long period of time. Uh, they're the ones that have small kitchenettes mm-hmm. and, and a, a living room. So those did do well, and they continued to do well. But they're not picking up as strongly right now um, as our full-service hotels. Mm. I think one of the trends we're seeing is something that has been dubbed leisure, and that is people uh, uh, blending a business trip with leisure, whether it's because they can work remotely so they can go to a leisure destination uh, or to another city for a holiday stay and do some work from there. Uh, or whether it's just extending a business trip and staying for a longer period of time. I believe a lot of people discovered what we call staycations Mm -hmm. during the uh, pandemic, Uh, going and having a nice weekend and nice dinner uh, in downtown Calgary or in Toronto or Montreal. And, uh, And I think that business is going to be here to stay. What is your message uh, to consumers in the next few months now that are looking to, to uh, you know, maybe book a staycation or go somewhere or, or do anything like that? Well, I think as an industry, uh, and by that I mean uh, uh, the whole ecosystem of travel and tourism in Canada, um, has to get the message out that it's okay to travel again and that Canada is open for travel. It's an outstanding destination, as you know, globally. It competes well and was and was really making a name for itself, I think, before the pandemic. And then, of course, we went into two years where uh, the border was closed for a year and a half. And then when it opened, it was very difficult testing requirements. And I think the message was to both the international travelers and the domestic travelers, we're closed. We don't want you to travel. And we're still getting that message out that 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 is a thing of the past now, that it is okay to get back out. Uh, As you know, one in 10 jobs in Canada are directly related to tourism. It's a big economic driver. And uh, so we're getting that message out. And then for Marriott on our side, we're just getting the message out that we put in place very rigorous testing protocols. I mean, uh, safety protocols, I should say, mm-hmm. and uh, and that uh, we're we're ready to uh, host you 
whether you're a leisure traveler or a business traveler or uh, want to come and, and have your group or conventions in our hotels. We're ready for you, and the welcome mat's out, and we've got in place the, the cleanliness and protocols to make sure you can do so with confidence. Well, it's uh, always exciting when new hotels open up, so we're excited when the uh, Dorian and the Delta Airport open up in Calgary and the Moxie out in Banff. It sounds re- uh, like a lot of fun. You can find all kinds of info on the Marriott website, marriott.com, and Don Cleary is the president of Marriott Hotels in Canada. Uh, thanks for your time, Don. I really appreciate it. And thank you, Randy, and uh, safe travels to everybody. Well, there's no question that the interest in getting away somewhere is on the rise, and that includes the interest in traveling to Colombia. And one travel company that specializes in tours to Colombia is Naya Traveler. So joining us now to tell us more about traveling to Colombia is Jennifer McClymont. She's a travel expert with Naya Traveler. The website is nayatraveler.com. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Randy. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Tell me a little bit about Naya Traveler first before we begin. Okay, no, Naya is, is an amazing company. What we do is we tailor-made, or as we like to say, curate journeys for people. We don't like to call ourselves, we, I am a travel expert, but we like to curate and, and tailor journeys for people so they, have, they get the most out of their trip. For example, our strong focus is on cultural immersion. Privileged local access is fundamental. We want to take our clients outside of the norm. We don't want them, of course they want to visit in a country, important monuments, museums, but we like to take them off the beaten track mm. completely and, and, and get them to indulge and immerse themselves in the local community, the local culture, the local art, depending also on their interests, obviously. You know, it depends if you're into adventure, food, culture, history. We want to bring those people into that destination and get the most out of it possible. These, this is what I believe our expertise are. The intimate knowledge of the country, its people, its culture. And you do cover uh, a lot of areas, and the country we're going to talk about today is Colombia. Uh, has yes. the interest in Colombia uh, increased over the last few years? Yes, I know we've had a pandemic the last two years. Let's skip that. But, but prior to that, were people uh, interested in, in visiting Colombia more? Yeah, no, completely. Very, very good question, Randy. It does come up a lot. Basically, in the last 10 years, which has been amazing, uh, the tourism in Colombia has basically doubled. Oh, more than doubled, which shows a lot of more people are interested in visiting. A lot more people are comfortable going to Colombia. And, and you know, the, the old image of Colombia doesn't exist anymore. It's The secrets are now there. The hidden treasures are now there for us to visit and enjoy. So there has been a huge influx besides the last couple of years, obviously, with COVID in the tourism sector in, in Colombia. 100%. Well, and it's hard to get uh, over those old images uh, that you call or, or those stereotypes of what Colombia is. It is a very beautiful country. I've, I've visited a couple of times. Uh, you talk about being uh, doing out-of-the-norm things. What are some of the things that uh, Naya Traveler uh, can show people that want to uh, go to Colombia? Okay, no, for sure. First of all, um, I just want to give a little bit of insight on what we do. We offer... Um, from the moment you arrive to a destination, which in this case would be Colombia, we want it to be as carefree for our travelers 
as possible. So everything's taken care of from the littlest detail from being picked up at the airport, which accommodations you stay at, uh, the experiences you're going to have there, anywhere from cooking classes with a local private chef. Is, is a big one for people who are foodies, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to other destinations, for example, when there's a certain festival or special event going on in that country, we want our clients to be part with that local. For example, the Flower Festival in Medellin. It's, it's okay to just go watch it, but we want to take you to actually one of the farms where those flowers are grown to be part of the experience, to find out, to get the knowledge of how it's done and the people behind it. So we like to offer those special services on the side, not just the normal tours and everything is done private. You have your own guide, your own transportate, private transportation, someone with you all the time to, to, for you to gain the knowledge of these places and experience the most you can out of it. Well, I think that's important when it comes to countries uh, like Colombia. There's always a language barrier for some people. And, and you know, it, it helps to have you, uh, you know, someone guide you and, and hold your hand, right? Uh, completely, completely. In certain countries, I mean, not just, just Colombia and other parts of South America with language barriers or other parts of the world. It, it's definitely beneficial uh, because if not, you, you can lose the real essence uh, of, of the community and the culture without that. And, and we, that is one of our main goals is to make sure that our clients, you know, are completely comfortable in their surroundings and, and getting the most possible out of it. Uh, well, and it sounds like you sort of uh, get to know the traveler before you start uh, planning a trip. But where do most trips uh, start from? Would it be, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Medellin or um, Bogota? Where, where are some of the more popular areas that people start from? Well, I mean, Bogota was was over, you know, overlooked before would be the word, which is a bit of a shame because most of the time, if you're flying from Canada to the United States, your first stop is going to be Bogota. And, uh, and before people, you know, overlooked it. And to be honest, this it's the second biggest, biggest city in South America. And it's set, at, you know, in the basin of these two incredible mountains. And the history of it is incredible. So it's definitely worth arriving and maybe staying two nights in Bogota before visiting the other regions in Colombia. I strongly recommend um, starting there. What are some of your favorite highlights? Uh, if I was, you know, if we were at a cocktail party and I'm talking to you about going to Colombia, where was, what would be some of the places that you would recommend, you know, you have to see and maybe some of the uh, off the beaten path places? Perfect. Okay. Well, definitely Bogota would be a start. The other city recommend, of course, would be, would be Medellin. Um, only because it's the second biggest capital, has a huge amount of history. It's near the coffee region. It does have, which I absolutely love, is the flower festival there. It's absolutely incredible. Um, and it, it's, it's actually won so many awards that people don't realize it's one of the most innovative cities, one of the most sustainable transportations, you know, in the country or even in South America. So there is an urban uh, side of visiting Medellin, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Then, of course... Then, of course, you're going to want to visit um, the, the coffee region. I mean, coffee is probably <laughs> the, the third biggest grower in, in the world, and it's very famous for its coffee, and it's absolutely stunning. You can, you know, you can, you, you can, and just, I want to throw this in, Randy, so people know, mm-hmm. um, getting around in Colombia, I mean, most of the flights to get between cities or the various regions are, are maximum about a, a one hour, one hour and 15 minutes. So 
So, so to get to different regions is very easy. We recommend that you try and visit at least two or three regions on your trip. The coffee region would definitely be one in the Corcuera Valley. Um, I don't know if you're famous, if you're, if you know about the famous palm trees, the wax palm trees that grow there that grow up to about 60, 70 meters. It's, you know, one of the most popular photos taken in the region. You can also visit the coffee farms there, hike as well. It's incredible for hiking. Hot air balloons over the, the region are very popular to, to see it from an aerial perspective. Um, and then, of course, which most people have traveled to Colombia to see is the Caribbean region, Cartagena mm-hmm. de Indias or Santa Marta, which some people don't know a lot about, which is another beautiful, um, you know, area in the Caribbean on the Caribbean Sea. So my those would be the regions, I would say the Andean regions, you've got the altitude, you have Bogota, you have the coffee region, and then you also visit the coast, the Caribbean coast as well. And what kind of accommodations? Obviously, there's uh, everything that you you know need or, or are looking for, like any other country. But uh, describe maybe some of the different types of accommodations available too. Okay, no, Colombia has has uh, an amazing ecotourism. If that's what people are interested in, um, they are very the sustainability is very high uh, on their list of priorities in their country. We as Naya normally we we choose. To, you know, choose accommodations that are more boutique, mm-hmm. smaller, more personal accommodations for, for our clients. Um, we tend to stay away from the larger hotels as they, you know, they, even though they have comforts, I, I, they're just a little bit too impersonal. If it's the only available accommodation in that area or, you know, region, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, we prefer smaller, more personal boutique. Uh, a lot are also eco uh, there's an incredible hotel, for example, in the coffee region that's called the, the Biohabitat that's absolutely stunning, eco-friendly, um, but not losing at all any of the luxury that our clients want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot. What's your favorite food that you like to uh, try when you're in Colombia or you'd recommend? Well, tamales. <laughs> I like tamales. <laughs> arepas, if I'm saying it right, even though I speak Spanish, the arepas I like as well. Um, and I was actually able to done because Bogota has a few restaurants that are still in the top 25 in South America. But, you know, I, I've got I've eaten everything from the street food, the arepas that I love to tamales. Um, the base of their 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 food is a lot of uh, potato, root vegetables, meats and rice. But it all sounds great. Uh, now I want to plan yeah. a trip to Colombia. Uh, Jennifer McClymont is a travel expert with Naya Traveler. You can find more information about uh, Colombia and other, the other areas that they uh, offer as well at nayatraveler.com. It was uh, fun chatting with you, uh, Jennifer. Muchas gracias. Well, muchas gracias a vos. Mucho gusto, and I hope we can do it again soon, Randy. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website, theinformedtraveler.org. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know, leave a review, tell a friend, or you can drop me a line. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.org. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler or follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.org.